Hello and welcome to the October 22nd, 2018 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It is awesome to have everybody here with me today, and of course, it's always wonderful to be out there with you as well. I hope everybody had a good weekend, uh, and everybody is doing well on this fine Monday morning. If you are listening on another day, uh, you know, different from a Monday for some reason, I'll tell you this. It's Monday here in Mr. Joe's neighborhood, and it was a very rough Monday morning, to say the least, because more or less it was impossible for me to wake up today. And I will get to that in a moment. I thought it was important, though, that I talk a little bit about what went on this past weekend. And unfortunately, like I find myself saying so many times throughout this podcast, is no matter how much I might be medicated or how much medically sound I believe that I am, it goes without a doubt that when you have bipolar disorder, medication is never going to take away the symptoms 100%. We are always going to live with those symptoms. And I think it becomes a matter of, at some point, managing the moods with the extra help that you get from medication. Because I got angry I don't want to use that word, angry, because there'll be enough anger for us to talk about in a moment. I I I questioned the comment of somebody who said that they can manage their bipolar strictly through positive thoughts and deep breaths and meditation. And I think we all could probably agree that that's not the way to manage bipolar disorder, but... I do believe that those are certain things that are used or needed or required for us to keep our temperamental moods in check. Now, it's important to know if you have anger and if it travels with symptoms of mania, such as needing to sleep or with the symptoms, let's say, of depression, such as losing interest in things, you need to know how that travels. So we've always talked about triggers and recognizing when those things come into play. But when they do come into play and they cross that barrier, so to speak, what do you do before you blow up? What do you do before you crawl into bed? What do you do to get yourself out of those things? Because again, medication is not going to fix everything and be the be all end all. So I do believe there are certain things that we have to learn in order to manage bipolar disorder, even though we're on medication. And guess what? Mr. Joe did none of that this weekend. I failed. I failed 
miserably. Miserably. And I'd like to tell you a little bit about what went on. And I think you're going to find this somewhat interesting, to say the least. And we start the report on this weekend by starting with Saturday. What better way than to start with Saturday? Because quite frankly, Friday, I don't remember it. I really don't. I don't remember Friday. So that's one thing that we all can agree on, that once Mr. Joe's memory starts to leave the brain, so to speak, things are not going too well for Mr. Joe. So don't even ask me what went on Friday. I haven't got a clue. Don't remember the evening at all. But what I do remember is Saturday. And if I can think about the way that I behaved on Saturday, it could actually lead me to thinking about some of the things that might have gone on Friday night. Now, Saturday was horrific behavior on my part. We'll get to that in a minute. So now, exactly, as I think about Saturday, it leads me into thinking about Friday night. Friday day, I haven't got a single recollection about what went on. I don't remember coming home. What I do remember is that I was told on Friday night that Saturday we were doing a garage sale at my in-law's home. Now, don't get me wrong. When I say that I was told on Friday, I knew about this for a very long time. But when you have bipolar disorder and you're in one of your moods, you choose to forget certain things because they're just not convenient at the moment. So what I do remember is being extremely angry about the fact that I had that garage sale. Let's put it this way, guys. I am not a garage sale type of guy, and I am not holding that against anybody. People love them. Um, people make a lot of money off them, but I am not a garage sale type of guy. Uh, I, I am a bit of a hoarder, although I am not your classic hoarder. I will never hoard things that take up a lot of space, but I have a hard time getting rid of certain things that, at least put it this way, that were expensive. It bothers me to throw away things that have, a, 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 a at one point in time, were monetarily expensive. So that's, that's the extent of my hoarding. But nevertheless, I agreed to do this garage sale. Come Friday night, I was absolutely miserable about it. So, of course, what I start asking, even though I was told probably 10 or 15 times over the course of the last month, what time is this garage sale? What time do I have to be up? Ugh. And, of course, in response to the, we have to be there at 7 a.m., I guess I'm not going to the gym again. That was my response. And her response was, this is my wife, obviously, well, you can go to the gym afterwards. Be no problem. And of course, my argument was, well, I want to go to the gym before and get it over with. So we started off the weekend with a bang. And we should have known at that point that Mania was starting to set in with Mr. Joe, big time. So now, fast forward to Saturday, and 7 o'clock was the arrival time to my in-law's home, but we did not make it there until 
which, by the way, bothers me and bothered me all this weekend because for those of you who remember or have listened to previous podcasts, I have this thing with the numbers 820, and it it makes me paranoid, it makes me um, delusional at times, and all her father kept saying was, you guys arrived at 820. So that ticked me off to begin with because I had to keep hearing that number in my head. But nevertheless, we never arrived at 7 a.m. because my son was sleeping. And you know what? He doesn't very often sleep past the hours of 6.30. So the fact that he was still sleeping at 7 o'clock showed me that he was extremely exhausted. So we let him sleep. And you know, I was moving pretty slow. And not because I was in a clinically depressed state of mind, but because I just didn't want to go anywhere. <laughs> and it was raining out. And of course, I made mention of the rain probably 10,000 times before we actually walked out the house. Well, it's going to be a horrible day today. Look at this disgusting weather. Who has a garage sale and weather like this? Nobody's going to come. Nobody's going to want to be there. This is idiotic. This is ridiculous. I can't believe we're going. But we got in the car, figure about 7.55, 8 o'clock. And what happens is as we pull out of the driveway, and if you can envision this, Mr. Joe is now driving. You know, keys do not go in the ignition anymore in 2018. You could put keys in your pocket. You could have them in your pocketbook. You know, everything is a keyless entry for the most part, or at least with my cars, my um, my my wife's car, while it may not be a keyless entry, the ignition switch is just a start-stop switch. You don't have to stick a key in there. So, obviously, the keys are not in the ignition. So, what does Mr. Joe do? I take the set of keys that has the alarm on it, the remote alarm, and, you know, house keys of all kinds and different kinds of keychains that my wife has on her keys, and I slam it as hard as I can into the middle cup holder, okay? And guess what? I don't have any idea why I did. She must have said something that ticked me off. And at the moment, it felt like such a relief to take those keys and slam them as hard as I could. And guess what else? I followed that up with a leave me the F alone. That's what I did. That's what I did. And it felt good. It felt good. And that instantly, instantly put a scare in me right after that I did that because I said, my God, I haven't behaved this way in so long. I don't remember the last time that I felt this way. And sadly enough, it made my wife cry. And she turned to me and she said, I can't believe you're acting like this. And I said, well, you know what? I'm struggling today. I'm really struggling, and I don't know why you can't understand that. And her response to me was, you know what, Mr. Joe, husband, you've been struggling for quite some time. And she said that I've been weeks acting like this. And I turned around. I said, well, it has been weeks. If it's been days, yes. And she said, no, it's been weeks. I've been seeing this spiral, this, this downward spiral of agitation, irritability, short patience. You may not know it's happening, but it's happening. So evidently, I had not seen this coming, but my God, did it feel good to do what I did. And of course, afterwards, 
you feel horrible about it, which is usually the common way that bipolar works. The thing that I'm grateful for, sadly enough, is it was a slam and a curse rather than in comparison to the hours upon hours of temperamental tantrum-like behaviors that Mr. Joe used to engage in, smashing holes through walls, banging my head, breaking mirrors, threatening to leave, packing my stuff, driving around in cars for hours with absolutely no direction in sight, threatening that I'm going to divorce, threatening that I'm going to sleep out somewhere else, threatening that I'm going to kill myself with drugs and only to come home and apologize. Okay, it's been quite some time since that's happened, so I guess I should be grateful that there were only a set of two temperament or tantrum-related moves that I made on that particular Saturday morning. Well, I don't know what's worse, doing that or getting to the next part of Saturday. Now, again, granted, the 820, it threw me off. I told you all that. The father kept saying it in my head. I'm calling them all kinds of names, all right? But I'm dealing with it, and I'm putting a smile on my face. And, you know, he made sure to remind us about ten times that him and my mother-in-law set up everything because nobody was there to help. So we put our items out. And, by the way, it was a disastrous garage sale. The weather was horrible. It was freezing. Barely nobody showed up. I think my wife and I, off of our stuff that we sold, we made about $75. That's about it. So it was horrific. The whole thing was horrific. But here's what's even more horrific, the day and how it went. Now, granted, I put a smile on my face. Nobody could tell anything was wrong. As a matter of fact, I actually felt pretty good. What started out as an irritable, angry, monster-like filled day in the morning changed into an extremely happy-go-lucky, you know what, I don't mind being here, and I'm going to get a, get along with everybody kind of mood. And it started by me taking a half a clonopin, by me saying, you know what? i got to chill out a little bit here. Let me take a half a clonopin. So I did. And here's the interesting thing that happened next. My shoulder, my left shoulder has been bothering me, and I really think that it's due to my neck acting up again. It was the first indication the last time when my neck was really messed up. My right shoulder actually started to hurt, and for some reason now my left shoulder is hurting and it only feels relieved when I actually crack my neck. And even that doesn't help wholeheartedly. Um, but, you know, I do my best to um, work that out. For the most part, though, I, I can't lift my left shoulder. So, same rang true during the Saturday's garage sale. sale. Um, you know, I felt that pain in my shoulder. And... Um, What did that pain do to Mr. Joe? Well, (laughs) gave me an idea. Gave me an idea. So, and and this is actually so embarrassing, but again, why is Mr. Joe on this podcast? To let you all know what we go through. And my God, I haven't gone through this and I don't remember how many years, probably back before 2009, maybe at some point when I jumped back on Suboxone, because I started having cravings again, maybe some point in 2013, 2012, I don't remember. All I know is that 
the pain in my shoulder gave me an idea. And the idea was, you know what, I could use a painkiller right now. So what does Mr. Joe do? Well, he finds himself in the bathroom of his in-law's home. And how many of you have ever been in this position before? All of a sudden, Mr. Joe starts to go through cabinets. Mirrored cabinets, drawers in the bathroom. Going through them all, and guess what? I found some medication, and I grabbed the medication. One bottle was empty. I said, oh, man, it wasn't a, wasn't a painkiller anyway. I saw another bottle, and, you know, the label was turned to the back of the cabinet. So I said, huh, I'm going to turn this around. It's going to be a painkiller. Turned it around. There was some stuff in there. I shook it up. I look at the label. I don't recognize it. So what is this moronic imbecile do, Mr. Joe? Of course, we Google. We Google to see what the name of the medication is and whether or not it's going to get us high. So then I start looking up medication online to much of my dismay, only to find out that none of the medication within the cabinets are pain relievers. And when I say pain relievers, I'm referring to opiates. Now, here's what's even more disgusting. I was so dead set on getting my hands on painkillers and getting high from painkillers. I didn't care what they were, Percocets, Vicodins, didn't matter to me. That I actually started to stare. Now, um, one of our um, aunts was at the house, and I know... Um, she and her husband happen to be very heavy drinkers, although they've mellowed out a little bit over the years. And I also know that the uncle happens to be a very heavy painkiller user and very into Xanax, or at least he's into Xanax, and I have to assume that he's into painkillers. So nevertheless, while I did not go through her pocketbook, I must have stared inside her pocketbook a thousand times to the point where at one point I moved it and pretended that it needed to be moved to save space on one end of the table to the other, just so I could shake it and listen to hear if I heard any pills rattling around in it. That's how disgusting things were. And all along, while I'm looking for these drugs, I'm saying to myself, I don't care. I don't care. Not one bit. If I get my hands on drugs... I am going to do them. And clearly I didn't. I will tell everybody now that Mr. Joe did not have a secondary relapse in conjunction with the alcohol relapse that I had just a few short days ago or maybe a little over a week ago. Um, but this is, this is concerning to me. Now, what makes me feel better is that Sunday came, I went to the gym, I felt a little bit better. And then the first thing that I started to do after going to the gym on the way home was I started to question myself, what on earth were you doing yesterday? What the heck made you feel like that? Why would you even put yourself in that position? Why would your brain venture towards those possibilities? It was just absolutely disgusting, and I was so, so disgusted with myself. And... I guess that's a good thing. I guess along the lines of the keys that I threw them, you know, threw them in the cup holder and it kind of ended at that point and I did not have to 
um, you know, go any further with my anger and feel any more like garbage than I had already felt. I guess it was a good thing that I never found any drugs because what would have happened? My God, if I would have taken them, I would have felt even worse. So I actually had a soccer game that I went to for my older son, my wife, my little guy, Mickey. We went to go see Junior play soccer. And it was actually a really nice day. I mean, it was a nice day filled with what I call stability. I wasn't happy. I wasn't sad. I wasn't up. I wasn't down. Um, I was right in the middle, you know, and I use the term I wasn't happy, but, you know, I was all right. I mean, there's no other way to say it. I was all right. I I don't know what else to say. Um, Now, nighttime, I was completely exhausted. Come Sunday evening, I was an absolute mess in terms of my energy, which goes to show you that Mr. Joe is still cycling, ultra-rapid cycling, ultra-rapid mixed episodes, never, never, ever going to end, clearly, it's never going away, and then, you know, all this mania, this, these addictive-like moves that Mr. Joe was making on Saturday, well, fast forward to this morning, and I could not get out of bed. I laid in bed till 7.15. I don't know. I don't remember the last time that I've done that. I'm feeling a little bit better now. Definitely feeling better. My focus is somewhat off. We've talked about that cognitive focus issues that stem from our bipolar mood swings. So I'm a little bit off in that sense. But here's what, I, here's what I've come up with. And again, whether you're medicated or not, I feel like it's the same scenario when it comes to bipolar disorder. For us, and when I say us, those with bipolar disorder, really it just, it just starts with this routine annoyance. You know, the kids' toys are on the floor. You know, your wife is badgering you about doing the dishes. You're driving and somebody cuts you off. And then all of a sudden, the irritation, it takes hold of you. And then just like a nuclear bomb, boom, your pulse starts to go up. Your heart starts to beat quickly. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, we're in what we call bipolar rage. And again, I'm grateful that that bipolar rage came and went on Saturday. But what's the good, what's the good thing about that? Nothing, really, because that bipolar rage... And it's funny, because a lot of times, um, Mr. Joe will go from that hypomanic stage where I want to get higher and I'm happy, and then all of a sudden I jump into irritability where I'm manic. Well, this was a little bit different, because Mr. Joe started in that irritable, agitated, manic rage-like way and then kind of went down into the hypomanic level where is usually the most dangerous level for Mr. Joe because that's when you start looking for drugs. I got to tell you, I haven't felt like that in a long, long time. And I recognize that on Saturday, something just was not right. There's no doubt about that. These ever-changing moods that were so similar to what I basically dealt with for the better part of the last 20 years and ultimately I'd get pissed off over nothing and usually of course and we've talked about this a million times stress is is a big 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 thing and I have to wonder is my is stress from work causing this while I'm enjoying my job I am there's no doubt about that you know it's stressful I'm starting a new business ultimately 
and I'll keep it together while I'm working at the office. But then what happens and how many times have we been there before? We'll only take it out at home. You know, we go home and in the harsh words, the disgusting attitude, the, the horrific rage gets taken out either on your significant other or your children. And, you know, many of us can say that a lot of times it's 100% the reason as to why we get divorced. Now, only because I have an ex-witch who I believe added to that reason, I do know that much of what went on was because I was bipolar and untreated. And, you know, we we should... Listen, irritation, anger, being pissed off, that could be normal. We all know that. And as a matter of fact, we've spoken about it before. It's a healthy response at times. But with bipolar disorder, as you can see, based on the incidents that took place on Saturday, with us, it appears to be that we're more vulnerable to those extreme outbursts or those extreme responses that we will oftentimes engage in. And it's interesting because... Like I said before, for about five seconds afterwards that I threw the keys in the cup holder and I said, what the F do you want? Or leave me the F alone. You get that five seconds of relief. Just five seconds. You feel good. You let it all out. And then there's that, oh my God, what did I just do? And I'll tell you this, when it was hours and hours of temper tantruming, like I explained before, not only did I say, oh my God, what did I just do? The remorse would set in and send me into that horrific depressive state because I felt so bad about what I would do that I would go into that depressive state of mind. And, you know, what I got to learn to do, and I'm not sure yet how to go about it, Because so far, the medication has saved me from acting this way. But when I feel my blood pressure start to boil, I have to figure out a way to catch it and calm down. I have to. I have to. You know, I have to learn the appropriate emotional reactions from those associated with that mood shift that we feel whether it's up or down. And in one sense, being not medicated, I almost feel like because it would happen so often, if this makes sense, now listen to this, you would develop more insight over time. The problem is so much destruction can be done on those irritable outbursts, you know, whether it be with the law or whether it be with your relationship. So you're taking a chance by not being medicated, but you have more (laughs) occurrences in which you could try to recognize when you are moving into what I call that hostile territory, so to speak. And I think I, I think that's a nice name (laughs) for, for this, um, podcast as a matter of fact i just think i just came up with it hostile territory so when you move into that hostile territory you got to figure out a way to detect that change see whether or not you're getting cranky and your temperament is starting to change 
You know, you're getting impatient, you're getting frustrated, that rudeness starts to come out. You got to recognize that and then learn to learn to control yourself. I know I know it's easier said than done, but learn to control yourself. Now, when you are medicated, the problem is it doesn't happen that often, so it's almost harder to control. And I know that sounds crazy, so which one is better? I don't know. I have no idea. I, I don't know. I know that I didn't do a hell of a good job this Saturday, no doubt about it. There's no doubt about the fact that I didn't breathe. I mean, I, I didn't... I didn't count to 10, which is some of the things that our therapists tell us to do. What I should have done afterwards is I should have said to myself, I should have gave myself a checklist. I failed, I failed keeping myself in check, that's for sure. So maybe the next best thing that we can do if we fail to keep ourselves in check is you almost give yourself a checklist. And you got to think to yourself, are you upset about something that has happened over the last couple of days and if so what are you upset about why are you upset about it are you feeling anxious over something are you sleeping normally are you drinking alcohol experiencing those symptoms of mania or depression and most importantly are you taking your medicine okay and quite frankly all of those things if mr joe was smart he would have looked into all those things done the checklist and recognized the fact that Every one of those things has been a factor over the last week or so. It really is, especially even sleep. Sleep is one of the most sensitive, early indications of a shifting mood. And I've said that a million times. Even one night of lost sleep can be a trigger for anger. And I've been having horrible night sleeps, whether they're alcohol-induced, whether they're manic-like-induced, and... Medication or no medication, when our emotions start to get the best of us and we start to act like imbeciles or complete wackadoos, you got to turn down the heat, man. you got to give yourself time and space. And that's where that classic advice of taking three deep breaths or counting to ten, anything that interrupts the anger response. And Mr. Joe did not do any of that. It just came on so quickly just came on so quickly. I mean, even stepping away from your significant other, if that's the person that you are raging out against, stepping away is even a better um, response. And unfortunately, her and I were driving. And believe me, there have been many times in the past when I wasn't medicated, forget about stepping away. There have been times Mr. Joe has thrown the car into park and jumped out the car door, swung the door open, whether I'm driving or whether I'm in the passenger seat, I've jumped out of the car. Now, that's not the proper way to step away, so to speak, but um, or getting some time by yourself when you're feeling all wound up. That's just idiotic. I mean, my poor wife, I used to leave her in the middle of the road. I'm not talking about my ex-wife here, guys. I did that to her, too. I'm talking about my wife, who has contended with me for God knows how many years. I've left her in the middle of the road with traffic. In the passenger seat, and I've walked out, people looking at me like a complete, absolute wackadoo as I'm walking across the highway. You know, and really, I mean, I have to, you got to ask yourself, did you take your meds? Did you sleep well? Was I depressed? Did I have a stressful day? Women, and please don't take any offense to this, when's your next period? 
got to be honest with you, that actually plays into the mood disorders or the mood changes or the mood swings that some of our um, women deal with, okay? So it's very important to recognize that. Somehow, some way, we have to learn how to control our impulses and know when they are coming. And once again, I will say this, when they don't happen so often, it almost is actually a different kind of a challenge to recognize that. And I think sometimes we're more susceptible to blowing up because really it's a process that involves trial and error. And obviously it's not going to work each and every time, but it's a, a process that involves trial and error. And when you're not raging out, yeah, that's great. But when you do rage out, um, you know, ever so less than when we do, when we're not medicated, you know, there's not that ability to go through that trial and error. Let's put it this way. It almost scared the living day. It did. It scared the living daylights out of me. It brought me back to a time and a place in which I did not feel good. I was scared. I was, I was mortified. None of it was good. None of it was good at all. The way I felt really brought me back to a horrible time and place, and I never want to feel that way again. So somehow, some way, I'm going to have to, if medication and a medication adjustment is not the answer, and that was just a, a, a quick little detour, so to speak, just a reminder, just a little subtle reminder to let me know that, Mr. Joe, you still got bipolar disorder. You're not normal. Maybe it's the seasonal change. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. You're not normal, and you're never going to be normal. We're not. We're never going to be symptom-free. And here's what I learned. If anything, here is what I learned after this past weekend. Forget about the searching for drugs and raiding through cabinets. All that is disgusting, and many of you have been there with me before. Here's what I learned. I learned that no one on the face of this earth will ever make you feel worse than yourself. So maybe it's time to let go and forgive yourself for the things that you did and said to your friends and your family members. And worry about yourself. Take a few deep breaths and maybe just a fraction of a second to collect ourselves and remind ourselves that we are the ones that are in charge because we are the ones that will make us feel the worst based on our actions. We are the ones that are in charge, not the bipolar disorder. Thank you for listening, everybody. If you are living with a mental illness and you're doing well, I ask that you continue to work hard. If you love or you care about somebody with a mental illness, I ask that you continue to support that person in the very best way that you know how. And if you are struggling right now with a mental illness or an addiction, I ask you to continue fighting, continue battling, and most importantly, soldier on. Thank you so much for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. See you again in a couple of days. Hopefully tomorrow, because we need each other. Have a great day.